Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association of North America's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association of North America or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Clay Nully with TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Mark Miller from the University of Virginia. Dr. Miller is the S. Ward Cassells Professor at the University of Virginia and was an author on an editorial commentary entitled Caveat Medicus, Beware of Meniscal Repair, that was in reference to an article titled Avoiding Injury to the Popliteal Neurovascular Bundle and All Inside Suturing of the Posterior Horn of the Lateral Meniscus, a Magnetic Resonance Imaging Assessment of Portal Selection and Safety that was recently published in the February 2020 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Miller, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Clay. It's a pleasure to be with you. So just in brief, discussing the article itself, and then we can dive into your thoughts on the article and your thoughts directly from your editorial commentary. So the article uh, basically was an MRI assessment looking at posterior horn lateral meniscus repair through an all-inside technique, and they did 1,200 measurements and did a repair from either the anterolateral portal or a standard anteromedial portal and looked at it at different lengths from the PCL insertion, either zero millimeters, three millimeters, six millimeters, or nine millimeters, or 12 millimeters from the PCL. And their conclusion that uh, all inside suturing at zero millimeters from the PCL was safe from the anterolateral portal, but beyond three millimeters distance from the PCL, a more medial portal carries a lower risk for injury to the posterior neurovascular bundle behind the knee. So just quickly, Dr. Miller, your thoughts just general on the overall study methods and setup and their results as well. Sure. Um, this is a good study, and uh, it actually mirrors some of our work back in 2002, um, where we actually injected uh, cadavers with barium and did a similar type of study, uh, and we could do just plain x-rays because of the barium contrast to see this. And so um, I think what they've added is that it's uh, this, this approach from the medial side is safer. And it makes sense if you think about it, because as we all know, the popliteal artery, which is the nearest structure to the back of the knee, is uh, more on the lateral side. And therefore, if you're going directly towards that artery, it's not safe. And so that makes sense, and it, it confirms what we've previously published and thought. Yeah, I think that image that you all published is one that's uh, burned in all of our minds, or at least uh, I know in my mind going through training and seeing it over and over, is that image of the all-inside device basically piercing the artery with the barium study. is It's, it's an image almost uh, like the... Uh, like Arnosky's meniscal blood flow image, one that I think once you see it, you never forget it. That's very kind of you, yeah. I, it actually took a little bit of effort to get permission to let uh, that, that be published in arthroscopy because it's a different journal, but fortunately we were successful. And I, I, I like that. Art, it's one of my favorite images we've, uh, we've published in it because it's so graphic and so uh, makes it so clear, the, the risk here. Absolutely. If anyone hasn't seen that image, I'd encourage you to read Dr. Miller's editorial commentary that we're talking about here because it, he, the image uh, is attached in the figures. So what do you think? So when you're going to, to repair a lateral meniscus and, and consider doing it all inside, do you try to go from the medial side most of the time? Or obviously the, the orientation of the tear dictates that to some degree, but how do you approach doing an all inside posterior horn lateral meniscus repair? Sure. Um, well, I think the issue is that, you know, this is a worst case phenomenon. And so if you, if you don't preset the depth of your uh, all inside device, then this is a big risk. But you can also uh, limit the depth of your all inside device in addition to go from the other portal if you choose to. So I think it's safe to go from the ipsilateral portal as long as you limit the depth. And so what we do practically is limit that depth either to 12 or 14 millimeters instead of the standard 20. Uh, based on, you know, where you're starting your puncture of the meniscus. And so just uh, measure that with a probe, 
and realize you need a couple more millimeters to get beyond the capsule, but no more than that because that's where you get risk uh, to the artery. That's a terrific point, I think, because you know, no matter what company or what type of device you use, most of the time they start out at 16, 18, or even 20 millimeters uh, at their depth stop, like you said. And so it's definitely important to to bring down that depth stop and depth stop and minimize the amount of depth you go. Is there a certain type of tear um, or configuration of tear that would push you just to saying, I'm not even going to try and do this all inside. I'm going to do uh, you know, inside out repair or something different? Yeah, I, I typically prefer inside-out repairs for a lot of meniscus, and so I'm kind of old school. And unfortunately, uh, this is kind of a, uh, a uh, procedure that's uh, falling out of favor, and people that are in training don't get exposure to it. But yeah, you absolutely need to know how to do an inside-out repair and the approaches because that is the gold standard for meniscus repair. So to answer your question, if I have a isolated meniscus repair or if I have a large bucket handle tear, um, then I'm very more likely to go uh, inside out. And uh, with that, it's it's essential uh, to protect the perineal nerve. We're not as worried about the artery in that case, but the perineal nerve has to be protected, and you do that by dissecting anterior to the biceps and putting a retractor in deep uh, and um, visualizing your needles as the exit. So, yes, there's still several meniscus uh, repairs and, of course, meniscus transplants that we need inside-out repairs, and you need to be familiar with those techniques uh, they shouldn't uh, go by the wayside because we need to resurrect them uh, in our trainees. That's terrific. So also in this study, they talked about a shorter distance between the posterior horn of the lateral meniscus and the posterior neurovascular bundle was significantly associated with younger age and female sex. Is that just a matter of basic anatomy that they're smaller in size, or uh, would you comment on those factors and those findings as well? No, I think that's the case. Um, and so uh, if you have a smaller person, smaller knee, smaller uh, distances from anterior to posterior, it, it simply makes sense. And so that's something to, to perhaps consider even further limiting your depth stop or using the medial portal in those cases. And so, yes. The other thing I wanted to, to emphasize is that it's not only the depth stop, but we all have a tendency to, to really push it in when, before we fire that trigger because, as you know, that's almost like a gun. There's a kickback when you fire that first thing, and so so you 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 got to you got to temper the the urge to really push in uh, with the um, uh, the concept that you really can't push in. Just keep it where it is when you fire, because otherwise you'll advance it further than you think. Yeah, that's a great point as well, especially with some of these newer generation devices, like you say, where the tendency is you want to kind of just push it in just a little bit further before you really fire it or or put it down. And so I think that's a really great point that I think a lot of us uh, clinically probably just do and, and sometimes don't even think about, uh, but we need to be very cognizant of, especially when we're on the lateral side. So one interesting uh, finding as well from the study is that they found that when coming from the lateral portal in their simulations, it, the neurovascular bundle was transected about 28.6, almost 30% of the time. That seems almost alarmingly high. Do you think that is mostly just because of the, the simulation that, that they did, or do you think it's really that at risk that amount of time? Because certainly, hopefully, people uh, haven't had that high of a complication rate doing posterior horn lateral meniscus repairs. Right. So I, 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 that's a great question, Clay. I, th I think that uh, obviously these kind of studies, we try to really get people's attention and, and uh, make it uh, critical how uh, careful you need to be. However, I mean, it's what's the difference between the tip of a uh, meniscus repair needle uh, and a uh, IV needle, for example? It's not that much difference. And so even if you puncture it, 
you don't necessarily uh, lacerate it or cause permanent damage to it. So I, I suspect that we're, we get close a lot, and uh, and yet it doesn't really. We don't have the the, the consequences if, if we really did have that high of a rate. And so yes, it's important to be careful. You obviously don't want to deploy a, a backstop device into a lumen of an artery, uh, but uh, you you, uh, you the risk isn't probably as great as as those numbers would indicate. Yeah, certainly a number like that grabs people's attention in a hurry. So just to diverge a little bit, but still kind of related to this, there's newer kind of devices coming out, such as some of the newer all-suture anchor devices and things like that. Do, do you think any of the newer devices that are coming out, some of the newer all-inside devices, does obviously we still want to be very cognizant and respect just the basic anatomy and, and the basic techniques that you've discussed, but do you think any of these newer devices kind of change how we approach all-inside meniscus repair, or, and if so, how? Well, I don't think that it changes the risk uh, pointed out in this paper. However, I think there's certainly some advantages to having a non-plastic uh, or PLLA or uh, peak implant to deploy uh, in the back of the backstop for the repair, because these devices not uncommonly uh, migrate or don't catch the back or end up in the knee joint itself and so that that becomes a very hard item you know a very rigid item that can cause chondral damage we saw that with the earlier generation uh, darts and arrows and so this um this new concept would be that there would be a suture and so i think that's a lot uh, less perilous and a lot uh, more chondral friendly uh, than these uh, plastic or pLLA or uh, peak uh, backstops that's a great point Another thing from an anatomy standpoint, uh, I think on the lateral side, it is always kind of a difficult thing. As you mentioned, the, the neurovascular bundle is just slightly lateral to posterior. So sometimes, especially in these smaller patients, is definitely kind of a narrow window between where that probably lies posterior to the capsule, but then also where the popliteus enters the joint uh, even more laterally. And so that window of meniscocapsular tissue in between those is pretty small. Do you Is that kind of the window that you're shooting for when you're doing all inside repair? Do you have any tips for how to kind of gauge how to stay in between that or how to not violate, obviously, the neurovascular bundle, but also not the popliteus and the popliteal hiatus? Right. Well, I, I think that, uh, first of all, we have to remember that Shelbourne has taught us we don't have to fix all the lateral meniscus tears that occurs with ACLs. A lot of these are stable or not complete or don't displace, and they're behind the popliteus. We don't necessarily have to fix it if it's, if it's in that set, setting. Uh, second of all, uh, this may be uh, an area where if you have a big tear, uh, you want to use uh, non-absorbable sutures around the popliteus, and that you know usually necessitates an inside-out approach because there's not non-absorbable uh, options uh, for all inside that I'm aware of. Uh, and so you may want to consider a hybrid repair in that case uh, or um, uh, avoiding uh, that area. Uh, but it, I think it's a lot less perilous to have captured uh, the popliteal hiatus or even the popliteus than it is a neurovascular structure. That's great. That's a great point, actually, uh, about that. And then the last thing I think was a, actually a terrific point that we all probably need to remember that you mentioned at the end of your editorial commentary to sum it all up is is extreme vigilance during and after surgery and checking for potential neurovascular injury in the recovery room should be exercised. So I think that, you know, a lot of times people may be getting a busy surgery day, and especially if it's kind of what you deem to be a routine knee scope, uh, people aren't going out in the recovery room and checking neurovascular status immediately afterwards. So I think it's a, a great point that you added that in your editorial commentary kind of to sum it up. Yeah, thanks, Clay. I would also emphasize that pre-op, uh, 
not to give your patients uh, a popliteal or a sciatic block uh, or any anything that affects the perineal nerve because you won't be able to check it in the recovery room if you do. And so we have an understanding of my anesthesiologist that if we're working on the lateral side of the knee, and there's any possibility of a lateral meniscus repair, we don't want that block. And uh, unfortunately in my career, it, it more than once, I've had to return to the OR the same day uh, because of a foot drop. And so even though we use care and vigilance, some of these big uh, reconstructions, you need to, to be able to check it and not be afraid uh, to go back uh, to the OR if you have to. It's not fun. It's embarrassing. But it's the right thing to do, and you should always do the right thing for the patient. Absolutely. That's a that's a really terrific point. I, I do that as well. I think if it's going to be a meniscal repair like this or I'm working on the posterior lateral side of the knee or those types of things, I ask the anesthesiologist to either not do or, or do a, a block afterwards, after the fact, after we've been able to document neurovascular status. So that's a terrific point as well that you make. Dr. Miller's editorial commentary, caveat medicus, beware of meniscal repair in reference to the article, avoiding injury to the popliteal neurovascular bundle in all inside suturing of the posterior horn of the lateral meniscus, a magnetic resonance imaging assessment of portal selection and safety can both be found in the February 2020 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Dr. Miller, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Clay. Everybody be safe out there. That concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please remember to give us a five-star review on your podcast device. Thank you.